Hi, everyone. I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is The Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat, not required. Hey, don't adjust your sound. It's just me right now, while Josh is busy trying to find us a new D&D game online. Which is perfect, because we're talking about finding or being a DM in the gig economy in our opening. We're also going to talk about the first game that this podcast is getting to review pre-release with Gadget Grid from Space Mobile Games. We also tell you who won the 2022 Spiel des Jahres Award, and in games we play, we are finally going to take a look at Cult of the Deep from BA Games. All that with an expensive but incredibly awesome crowdfunding roundup on this episode of The Dapper Meeple. All right, so let's go ahead and just make the assumption for the rest of the summer that you just should count on us being late on everything. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, like every summer that we have been recording, which is now this is the second one, uh, we have often found that our summers are full of all sorts of wonderful and exciting opportunities and things that we just do not have enough time to fill everything in. Right. And I mean, I guess this kind of is a really good segue to into if we could just do this for a living, that would really be the best answer. Right, right. We have those pesky things called jobs that they make us come to at least five days a week. Right? Yep. So, yay capitalism. Um, in that kind of like thought, though, we talked a little bit on our last show. We kind of mentioned some of the um, DMs that are engaging in the gig economy now. Where one of the hardest things about getting into any role-playing game, I think, is finding somebody to run the game, right? You have to have that rules lawyer, that fountain of knowledge to go back to, to determine how this whole thing is going to play out. And that has been difficult to find traditionally um, before. I think, and again, this is one of those things, I think COVID and the pandemic and the isolation really kind of moved forward. Because now you can go online and play and, I mean... You can get a good game out of it, right? Yeah, I think it, it forced people to not have to be in a room with other people to play these games. <laughs> as funny as that sounds, but that's 100% now. I mean, we've talked about the online games that we have both ran and played and things like that. That's really opened up the door for people to kind of flex their skills online and actually get paid for it. Right, right. So Roll20 is kind of our go-to um, when we're playing online. Uh, just our group, that's what they stay with. There are other ones out there. Right? Yeah, you got um, like Fantasy Grounds is another big name in it. Um, there's even a couple like 3D modeled versions. I know Dimension 20 is fond of using some of those. Right. Um, so there's a bunch of options out there now as far as online platforms to play on. Um, we were doing a little research for this trying to see um, first off, how do you even get into this? Where's a good starting point? Um, what should you charge? Um, and really, we found it's it's kind of really open-ended. It really is. It's wide open. And I think a lot of it depends on what you have to offer and like at what level are you willing to play, right? Yeah. Because when it comes to role-playing games, what I found is you have casual players, right? right? Um, and there's a spectrum of, from there, like people that take it more seriously. Like you've got your, just want to roll dice and kill things types. You've got your kind of 
in the middle, there's this mix of we like the mechanics, but we want some role play. We want some story. And then on the far right, you've got the people that are like slipping into LARP territory. Right. I want to be not only emotionally invested, but I would also like to have some trauma by the end of this game. Exactly. <laughs> like those are the people that may introduce themselves as their character names to other people outside the game. Right. <laughs> like some people really dark. It becomes a diehard thing for them. Um, and I think that is something to look at if you're when you're talking about, well, how much am I going to charge to run a game? Well, what kind of game are you going to run? Right. And I think, I mean, all this kind of filters back to having a good session zero to kind of weed out things like that. Right. But I think it's even more so important when you're talking about charging people to play in your game. Right. Uh, because, uh, one, we, we've always advocated for session zeros for nothing else other than to get a feel for your players and the type of game they're expecting. But if you're asking someone to pay you whatever that price is, I think that's even more important yep. because you want to give them not only, you know, a good game, you want to give them an experience that makes it worth their money. Exactly. Yeah. They've got to walk away being like, yeah, that was worth it. And for some, I mean, looking on Roll20, I mean, is a good place to start, right? And you you can find a paid section where... um you can join a game and they have to tell you how many seats they have available, which I think is really cool because you're going to get into a game with some strangers, but you're not sitting in the same room with them. Like there's that kind of a separation there. And I think that yeah. might make it a little easier for a lot of people. Yeah, because we all know that social anxiety is a hallmark of people who often enjoy this hobby. Um, and I think it, it kind of has really helped to uh, not not necessarily eliminate it completely because there still is some of that element there. But it helps to be in your own space and do yeah. your own thing. That's probably a lot of the reason why this hobby has blown up so much during the pandemic is because of things like that. You don't have to be in the same room with people. If you are anxious about meeting new people, like there's, you still have that kind of safety net where you can always just disconnect and then you're good to go. Right. So or turn your camera off, like bringing us together separately. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But Going back to um, like charging for this and things, we were looking at prices. I mean, it ranges from five dollars a session all the way to there's one guy who charges. I think it's like five hundred dollars for a full campaign. Doesn't say how many sessions that is, but it's up to like five players. Right. So it really depends on what you're looking for. Uh, it looks like the average kind of ranges around twenty dollars per person per session. Um, so you know, take that as you will. Uh, for usually anywhere from three and a half to four hour session. Right. So right. to kind of put it in perspective of like other things that you would spend money to do uh, movie theaters. Right. Uh, you figure by the time you pay for the movie ticket, maybe get one snack and share a drink with somebody. You're easily looking at 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. I think you're getting off light if you only have 20 bucks at that point. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's an easy one to think about. Plus. We all know anyone who's ever played a role-playing game knows that it's a unique experience. Yeah, You're not sitting there and watching this movie go by. You're engaging in what is actually happening. Yeah. So um, it really depends on the DM. Like, is it worth 20 bucks? I mean, that's something you individually would have to decide. Um, but I think it's important, again, um, to get into these games and have the session zero just to kind of like get a feel for it. So if you were going to run a paid DM game, yeah, how would you start? Um, I would probably do it on Roll20, right, for my platform, because I'm really familiar with it, and I've already paid a lot of money to have a lot of things <laughs> in the background on Roll20, right? Like, 
I've, I've bought the books on Roll20. Right, right. So um, I would definitely run it that way. I think it depends. So I got two ideas. Our learn-to-play games that we have ran in person and things like that, uh, teaching new people, um, I definitely play those a little bit more fast and loose with some of the rules. Um, I may overpower characters a little bit, you know, things like that. Um, I like that. I like that for new players because they get the excitement. Um, like, threaten them a little bit, but behind the screen, you always know that they're going to make it through to the next session, right? right? right. Um, so something like that. Uh, I would definitely consider that kind of format where it would be, and I'm kind of 50% role play, 50% combat, right? So I want to build a story, and you got you to gotta kind of be invested in your characters to do that. Yeah. Right, to be able to throw good NPCs and stuff at them. Um, and something that they'll adopt, I'm sure, on the way through, like a, a pet or a kobold or something. <clears throat> um, so I like that idea. I also like the idea of one, uh, I'm getting ready to get into a game. It's going to be just four, I think maybe five sessions at most. It's a high-level game. It's set in the Midnight uh, Legacy of Darkness setting. Where basically the bad guys have all won, right? Yeah. Like if you're in this setting, you're um, you're fighting a lost cause, so it, it kind of gives it a little bit different flavor. A very dark, so you definitely have to have the sit down talk in session zero. It's like, hey, there's going to be things that go on that we may not actually see, but are happening in the world, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Like some serious stuff, like slavery and things like that. Um, something to definitely talk about, but a fast, brutal, blaze of glory style game for like especially people that are uh, more um, role play, you know, oriented and stuff like that can make a, a fantastic like three or four sessions. Yeah. Um, if I was going to charge for something like that, absolutely. Like, let's go and like it's go big or go home. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think there's a lot of potential in there for something like that. My question is, like, what do you do if you have a character death in the middle of one of these? I mean, I think you would do the same thing as you do in any others. Just roll a new one. Yeah, if you had to, absolutely. But, I mean, we've talked about character death before in the way we try to mitigate it. Um, either offering an alternative solution, mm -hmm. you know, um, like some sort of resurrection ritual type thing. Or, depending on the setting you're playing in, there may be, in the level you're at, there may be magic involved that can do that sort of resurrection. I think a lot of it depends on how invested your players are in their characters. Yeah, that because yeah, if they if they aren't really invested in it, then it's like okay, we'll just you know we'll roll something else. But if you already have them hooked and bought into the fact that you know that adventurer has fifteen kids at home that they're trying to feed, kind of thing, then you know offering opportunities for that I think would be cool. Um, I, I wonder though, you know, because we we have sometimes issues with players kind of checking out at the table especially online it can be a bigger issue yep. i wonder if because the player is paid for this time if that's sort of mitigated some of the articles that i've read um polygon has an article that talks about this and they say that a lot of times what they see is people are more invested because i mean they've put five fifteen twenty bucks into this so they're showing up to the session and i think you get a lot of that too in like league play yeah uh, so eventually you know people are showing up to it and this is like their one night a week they get to play. And this is the vehicle that's taking them there. Yeah. Um, where this side, you know, they are actually paying money into it. Uh, so I think some of that where people are like spacey or playing on their phones or just not paying attention um, kind of goes away because now there's something invested, like yeah. hard investment. You know what I'm saying? So they do have a website that we found 
startplaying.games is the website where you can find a DM. They basically put up what they're going to run, put up the price, and tell you how many seats are available. And then they tell you if they're going to be using Discord for the voice, uh, what what platform they play on, it looks like. Some of them are on Foundry. Mm -hmm. Some of the books that they'll be using. So the the setting that you're going to be playing in. And I was reading the website. They say right now all of our games are online, but eventually we will support finding local D&D games and other TTRPGs near you as well. If you're looking to play D&D online, we have over a thousand professional DMs ready to run your adventure. Like, that's crazy. Like, people are making money on this. This is like D&D gone Uber. So this website has been out for a few years now, um, and I think it's really probably caught a lot of traction given the past few years with things how they have been. Um, but I mean, this is really cool. If you see, I, I like the people are offering reviews on the different DMs. They're offering reviews on kind of the games they're running. Like, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff here um, as far as like, if you are unsure about who you're playing with, just look at this person and see, oh, well, 96 people have given him a review. And this is what some of them have said about the way he runs games. Uh, which I think is really cool because you don't get that in person often. Right. Um, you might occasionally you might know somebody who has ran with somebody else if you're in like a large D&D community. But for the most part, it's like, no, I've never played with this guy, but let's give it a shot kind of thing. Um, so I, I think this is really cool. It gives people an opportunity to kind of get a feel for who they're playing with before they actually play with them. Um, it looks like most of the games on here, of course, they're advocating session zeros. Um, there's a couple other things like, like this guy specifically, he mentions, uh, content warnings for things, uh, that are in the campaign, which is great. That's excellent. Um, he gives, um, a few, like, this is what to expect kind of thing. And he also talks about different safety tools that he uses. So people don't feel uncomfortable in the game, including, having an open door policy where the players can come and talk to him at any time about anything. So yeah, like this is a really cool website. Take a look at it. If you're interested in either being a DM that gets paid for it, or if you're looking for a game, uh, possibly you want something a little bit higher level. Maybe you're having trouble just finding a game group. Um, this might be something for you to take a look at. Roll 20 also has this option. So uh, those are two really good resources. If you want to find a game or if you want to run a game, and make a little cash on the side, this looks like a great place to start for those of us that play. Gaming news just came out today. They've awarded the Spiel de Jars. So we talked about this last year. The Spiel de Jars is an award that's given out. It's been given out since 1979. Um, it is primarily decided by German-speaking countries, game critics from those countries that operate on the jury on a volunteer basis. Um, it seems pretty kind of loose with who gets to be on the jury, um, which is fine. They just want them to have the influence and the understanding to be able to talk about it. Right. This this is the board game award. Like if, if you are a board game designer, developer, publisher, whatever, this is the award that you want to win. Got it. Right. Um, last year we talked about it. Uh, Micro Macro Crime City, uh, which is a game I picked up, which is fantastic. Uh, it's a giant Where's Waldo type game. Uh, that one last year. Um, but yeah. There, so to break down the Spiel de Jars again, um, there are three categories. Uh, there is the regular Spiel de Jars, which is like an overall type game category. There is the Kenner Spiel, which is a more kind of connoisseur 
the gamer type board games. Right, right. Is, they tend to be a little heavier. Um, that is what that category is for. And then you have the Kinderspiel, which is the kids games. Um, so the main two that we usually look at and focus on are, of course, the Spiel and the Kinderspiel. Um, winning this award basically guarantees you a much larger print run as well as many more game copies sold. Right. There's actually no money for the award at all. Right. Yeah, there's nothing behind it except You being get able to put that little stamp on your game on box. On your box, right. Yeah. So and interesting. That's, that's it. But um so this year there were a couple of really cool nominations uh for both uh the Spiel and the Kinderspiel. Um but they just announced the winners today, actually, right as we were recording. So uh for the Spiel de Jars, the winner this year is Cascadia. Now, I've heard a lot about this game. Um, it's been floating around for a while as far as people talking about it. Um, this year's spiel, the requirements were the game be published either in 2020 or 2021. Cascadia is kind of a tile lane game uh, that is the art and the theme and everything is based around um, like the United States Northwest and that Canadian border there. Right. Um, where you have all sorts of different wildlife, um, you know, bears, salmon, moose, all those sorts of things um, and different kinds of terrain as well. Um, and in this game, you are laying these tiles, trying to create the perfect terrain to get these animals to come and reside there. And it's a point based system that the better the terrain is, the more points you get um, and that sort of thing. A lot of people have been saying it's a very, very fun game. There's a lot of kind of puzzly elements to it that people enjoy. It's definitely been talked about for, for a while now. Also nominated for the Spiel des Arts was Scout by Oink Games and Top 10 by Cocktail Games. But I like, too, that on their website they have a recommendation list as well. Uh, Seven Wonders Architects is on there. Uh, Magic Rabbit. Uh, some of these games that have come out here in the last couple of years. So you kind of get an idea of what they're looking at when they're making their decision. Mm -hmm. Now, I know uh, Scout was a game uh, that was based on like kind of a circus theme where you are a scout for the circus trying to poach your opponent's like best acts kind oh, of thing. I want to play that. Yeah. Now. So that one that one seemed pretty cool. Um, I actually haven't heard of top 10, but. It's probably something I'm going to be looking up now. And that's kind of what this award does. It gives recognition to these games. Um, like I said, just being nominated for it. In fact, a lot of them will put the little tag on their box that says, you know, 2022 nomination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so stepping over to the Kinderspiel, there were the three nominations for it this year uh, were Living Forest, Dune Imperium, and Cryptid. Um, and out of the three, the Living Forest was the one that actually got the award this year. Um, so from I hadn't heard of it before seeing the nominations, but it appears to be uh, a game where players are working to kind of um, keep this forest alive and protect it from fire as well as regrow it um, with the help of um, them being forest spirits. Right. So there's um, a couple different things going on here. Uh, you have basically three tracks that you're trying to move up on. Uh, one of them is fighting the fire. One of them is actually planting new trees. And one of them is gathering these lotus flowers that allow you to help to kind of bring the magic back to the forest. Um, but yeah, it looks pretty cool and exciting. Um, I have heard of the other two, though. Uh, both Cryptid and Dune Imperium have right. both been on my radar uh, as games that I would love to play. Uh, Cryptid especially. 
Um, it is obviously based off of the kind of mythical creatures that may or may not be real, depending on where you stand on that. Um, but you have a board where you are trying to discover where this creature resides. Um, it's a very kind of cool hidden movement type game, um, but definitely one of those that is exciting. I'm glad to see it got the nomination. Um, but yeah, uh, all three of these games, again, are excellent games that I'm sure are going to see a bump in sales just for being nominated. There you go. Bringing you the best in board game news. We got asked to do our first game review for an upcoming game. Right. Right. So the company is uh, Space Mole Games out of California. They asked us to review their new game, Gadget Grid, which just kicked off their Kickstarter like yep. two or three days ago. Yep. Go check it out. Um, it is a fun kind of battle royale type family game that is fast. It was a lot of fun. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of stuff going on. But I think that's what makes it good. Like, Yeah, it very much gives you that kind of chaotic battle royale type feeling mm-hmm. uh, where... Even if you think you're safe, you're really not safe. Um, I love the randomness of it in the fact that the grid you're playing on is constantly getting new things added to it um, and things change around on it. Um, just overall, it was it was an excellent game. Um, after the first time kind of working our way through the rules, like it was very easy to pick up and play. Um all, all in all, excellent game. Yep. Um, we were we'll do a full kind of recording on our thoughts on it that we'll we'll have separately. Um, but I mean, even with the prototype version, there was a lot of really cool stuff with the components. The artwork on it is is excellent. Right. It definitely gives you that kind of weird space theme TV show type vibe. Right. Um, exactly. Which is exactly what they were shooting for. So all in all, a uh, very, very good game. Right. With all of that, with all the supposed technology that it would take to make this game in the theme, right? The theme of the game being you're competing on a interstellar game show. I love that one of the attack options is the rock. Yes. So yeah. um, definitely go check out their Kickstarter and we'll have our review. Uh, we'll do just a separate review and we'll put it out on our channel so you can go back there and listen to it. Great game, great family game. Like I said, fast, a lot of fun. Um, definitely check out their Kickstarter. Next up on Games We Play, Cult of the Deep. Designed by Sam Stockton, with artwork from Mara Elko, David Lee, Liam Peters, Janet Ramos, and Charles Walton. Published by BA Games. The first step to running a successful cult is good leadership. And in Cult of the Deep from BA Games, you get to determine if the High Priest survives. This is a social deduction game with elements of dice rolling, asymmetric characters, team strategy, and action selection. During the game, each player draws a roll card. These can be loyalists to the High Priest, or Cabalists and heretics working against them. Then each is given a character card that will allow them to have their individual powers and actions to use during the course of the game. Players also get a sigil card, giving them access to a powerful mechanic that they can use once per game. Gameplay progresses as each player takes a turn rolling the five cultist dice and assigning them to themselves, other players, or to one of the rituals at the center of the table. In the response phase, other players may use their own powers to affect the dice placement 
before all dice actions are resolved. Will you injure a suspected rival, heal the high priest, or advance one of the rituals? Each roll defines separate win conditions for the players. Some have to survive, while others must remove players to win, but even in death, the game continues. Killing another player's character allows them to become a wraith, and while no longer able to take the same actions they did in life, they can still have a tremendous effect on the game. The game is over when someone meets their win condition. Will the high priest and their faithful remain in power, or is it time for new management? Alright, so this has been a game that we have been waiting to get to the table for some time. Back in April, Ed Stockton, which is a part of BA Games, it's him and his three brothers, contacted us because he happened to be in town and picked up one of our cards and was interested in talking to us about their game, Cult of the Deep. Uh, so if you listen to that episode or go back and take a look, we actually uh, phoned in his one of his other brothers, Dave, mm-hmm. um, and got to talk to him a little bit about designing the game, what it's like putting a game on Kickstarter, all the exciting frustrations and things like that that go with it. Um, and then we actually were able to record a separate section uh, where we got Sam coming in too as well to talk about character creation and know your character section that's right so that was really cool enjoyed that episode uh we've had a chance to kind of uh communicate with them too back and forth um they let us know they were going to send us a copy of their game once it started to fulfill which is awesome a really really great group group of guys just across the board Mm -hmm. Uh, but we finally were able to get the game to the table and it is everything that we hoped it would be from the minute that we got the box like we opened it up the box itself is beautiful. Now, if you watch Sam's unboxing video, he talks a lot about how great that box is. It's well-built, really sturdy. Okay. I mean, you can feel the texture on the outside of the box. I mean, this thing is just well done, yep. right? Yep. Which, talking to these guys, I totally get it. You know, when we talked to Ed, there was a lot of talk about making sure that they're producing a product they want to put out to the public, right? Yeah. So, th- they had a real eye on quality and, I mean, well done across the board with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we did wait a little while. Because I wanted to get a group together. Because this is a social deduction game. Traditionally, the more people you put into those, the better they are. So there is an option to play four players. And it kind of changes the rules. The high priest kind of becomes an NPC. But we were lucky enough to have seven people to come sit at the table and play. And it was a wide kind of spread as far as people that are experienced with board games. Uh, We played, which I think, Josh, you've probably got the most experience understanding and playing this. And then me... Um, and then we had a few others, a couple of the kids came down and played. Um, yep. and then we had people that like do not play board games. Like Monopoly is like <laughs> their extent of their experience, yeah. um, which was hilarious because she ended up being the one to draw the high priest card. It was really good though. I mean, the game played well, it played very smooth. One of the problems that I feel like happened in social deduction games is eventually things start to break down. And I think it's kind of because of people like you're trying to figure out who everybody is. And at some point, it just becomes a random point of finger at somebody and hope for the best. Like, like it's a shotgun method to find to kind of like finish out the game, right? Yeah, social deduction games have been some of my least favorite. I have the Resistance, which is a classic. Um, I haven't had a chance to play Secret Hitler yet for a couple of reasons. Overall, the category is not usually something that appeals to me, right? But I do like the other elements that kind of make this a more well-rounded game, right? Uh, I I think that's one of the things that really kind of brought me into the, yeah, I really want to play this game as opposed to, "Eh, it's just another social deduction game. 
because although you have those elements of the hidden roles and not sure exactly where everybody stands on certain things, um, the dice mechanics as well as the rituals in the middle um, as well as just some of the general like variable player powers um, kind of bring everything and make it more more gamey to me so i guess the theme behind this to kind of explain is you are in a cult and you're doing culty things and doing culty rituals to summon culty demons and whatnot whatever (laughs) right so you're in a cult but there are obviously elements of the cult that believe that the cult is heading in the wrong direction or whatever they're just against the high priest right as you draw your roll cards which remain secret except for the high priest your roll card will determine what your win condition is and what part you're going to be playing within this cult yeah there are the faithful who are supporting the high priest there are the cabalists which are actively working against them and then there's the heretics which kind of side with the cabalists um, but their win condition changes a little bit. Like if they die, you know, there's the repentant heretic and then there's the vengeful heretic. And when they die, their win condition changes. The The repentant heretic will win if the high priest and their side win, where the vengeful heretic will win with the Kabbalists if they die. Um, really cool mechanic, though. I, I, like in most social deduction games, you do have that... Um, what do you call it? Like, you do have those kind of secret win conditions, right? Yeah. Um, but like you said, the rest of the the rest of the mechanics that happen, the dice rolling, um, the, you know, assigning the dice, the rituals, all of that plays real heavily into it. And I think it makes it feel more alive. Yeah. Right? Like other social mechanic games, you, you can meta the game. You can play outside of the game and try to figure it out. Where this one is, you're really watching what everybody's doing. Where one of the taglines for this is actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Because you're watching who are they damaging and who are they protecting. Yeah, overall, I I felt it was um, a really fun experience. Again, I like the more gaminess to this game as opposed to like your traditional social deduction games. Let's hop into our review categories here and we'll kind of work our way down the list. Um, so starting off with value, um, which this one's going to be tough to not push too hard into components because I mean, that's really the production value of this game is outstanding, right? That was the first thing that I noticed as we're taking the game out and just doing your unboxing. Um, it's boxed really well. The box itself, like I said, there's texture on the outside of the box as you just run your fingers across it just so really well done. And then as we're taking the components out and stuff, the tray that is in the box is designed so you can put everything back really well, really easy. I didn't feel like I needed to go search for like a 3d printing option for this. Um, it just looks really good. It's a good game. And there's a lot of game in this box, which is something we really lean into when we're talking value, the game you could play several times over. Um, and I think you would have to get a couple of plays under your belt before you realized what everybody's doing and how your role cards are one thing, but you also get a character card to tell what kind of powers you get. You may be the sorcerer and you may be able to cause damage across the table or, you know, you may be like the alchemist and they were able to like manipulate dice and use it in various ways that are not normally accessible. Uh, The, the different, variable player powers that are available i think really kind of mix it up you also have the different rituals that you never know which ones are going to be out on the table right there's enough of those to where it keeps that kind of new and exciting um there's there's just a lot of really 
There's a lot of game in the box. There really is. There really is. We we played a seven player game, which means that you put you have ritual cards that you put out, um, and they're actually ritual, I guess, boards, kind of tableaus, and then you put a ritual card on each of those. And each ritual card has certain images on the dice that when you play those on the card, it will advance the ritual. Some of it rituals give you a bonus when you advance them. Um, and then when you finish them, you may keep them for like a permanent bonus. But all the rituals are different, too, which makes it really, really interesting. And it's always going to change that gameplay up, um, which is something that I really liked about it. I know in our first game, one of the first rituals we pulled out was the Kraken, um, yeah. which is predominant on the front of the box. I actually have the artwork hanging in the game room as well. It just looks so good. But that thing does so much damage to somebody just randomly. Yeah. yeah. Um, one person played their sigil to go ahead and just remove that. So we didn't have to mess with it during the game. Yeah. But that kind of thing could happen in a game. And it's just really, really dynamic on what's going to happen. So I think there's a lot of gameplay in this box. There's a lot of, you know, you're not going to get the same thing every time. Yeah. And I think the MSRP on this is like 45 bucks. Yeah. And all day long. Oh, yeah. All, all day long. All day. Like uh, 10. It's a 10. <laughs> and in fact, you could probably pick it up. I know a lot of online retailers have it for even a little cheaper than that. So, uh, yeah, this is one of those games. If you enjoy social deduction um, or if you're kind of on the fence about it, um, this is a definite game to add to the arsenal for sure. Um, so let's talk about components. Yeah, let's get into those. Yeah. I mean, like we said, from the moment you look at the outside cover of this box, like just the not only the quality of it, the artwork of it, but just the feel and texture of the box is absolutely luxurious. It is. That's the best way to describe it. Um, I actually have the box open right now because I wanted to touch more things. <laughs> um, um, it comes with, uh, what is it? 20, 30 pairs or 30 dice that are um, kind of custom made for the game. The ritual boards are double layered where the cubes for them actually have slots they fit into so they don't roll around if the table gets bumped and things like that. It, that's just a really nice kind of simple upgrade. Mm -hmm. um, there are little like velvet bags to keep different tokens, tokens and stuff in. Um, I mean, even the rule book itself is just. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just so well done. The cards are tarot style cards. Like the backs of the cards, there's like a raised print of like glyphs and stuff that you can't really see unless you hold them in the right light but you can definitely feel them on the card i mean i can't i can't tell you how impressed i was pulling this thing out of the box yeah just from like when i was like separating the cards out and stuff it's just like like they definitely went the extra mile on the components uh, again, just everything about this game lives up to the hype that we were hoping for. Right. Um, and especially in this component quality. And like we said, after talking with Ed, you know, he really pointed out that was one of the their main goals is that they wanted to be able to produce a product that was going to feel good in people's hands. Yeah. And I 100% they knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. Oh, even your tokens and everything are uh, punch out. So they're cardboard. But the, I mean, like, it's a thick cardboard, right? Like yeah. they could have, they could have skimped on this and they obviously did not. Yeah. And this is just the baseline retail type version. This is not like, this is not any Kickstarter extras. This doesn't have the fancy wooden box that they just were able to produce um, for people who wanted that. There's also like upgraded dice as well. Like there was a lot of stuff to like make this even better, but just as the standard product, is just absolutely gorgeous right um uh, so let's talk about gameplay and 
Uh, we kind of mentioned a little bit in value, um, but there's a lot of game in this box. Yeah. Um, it's not too hard to kind of grasp. Like we said, we had a player at our table who, I mean, they don't play games, <laughs> just just plain and simple. She'll tell you that. Um, but she was able to, after a couple, like watching a couple of turns being played, she was able to kind of pick right. it up and and go with it. Um, I think the, the dice rolling mechanic um, kind of makes things more interesting. It does. Um, it gives people, because it's a Yahtzee style system where, you know, you get three rolls and you keep what you want out of those kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I like the gameplay. Like I said, for me, it elevates the social deduction aspect to where it's not just that. Right. You have this whole other kind of sub game that ties in well with it that you're playing also. What I also like about that is with the dice rolls, you're rolling these dice. They all they have like different images on them and each image means something different. Right. There's damage you can do to people. There's healing. And then there's other things that don't really matter except for on rituals or on people that have certain power symbols. But when you roll these five dice, once you finish that rolling, you know, you roll your three times, you have to use all five of your dice. That's a rule. You may be backed into the corner and have to use a dice that you don't want to use on somebody. So I think that adds to that social deduction part of it because you're like, oh, this guy's constantly attacking the high priest. They're definitely a cabalist. Well, and then they end up like stabbing a cabalist and you're like, but I thought he was a cabalist. Hold on. You know, because you have to use that dice. Um, I think that may add to it a little bit more uh, that forced mechanic that gets put in there. Yeah. And I think the iconography in the game is very simple, straightforward. There's not that many things where you have to have a, a guidebook of what all the things are. Um, there's only a few different images and they correspond really well to either the rituals or the people's um, cards. So you can see exactly what does what very quickly. Uh, I think the gameplay is very straightforward. It still has enough of that social deduction aspect to keep that kind of thing interesting. Um, but it provides that extra layer of things that, like really make it a, a full game instead yeah. of just, you know, what that is. Right. I think it's the best way to describe it too. Like it rounds all that out. Like you're getting, you're getting a full experience out of this and it's really good. Yeah. So let's talk replayability. Uh, I think that's easy. <laughs> uh, there are a bunch of different roles in the game as well as there are a bunch of different variable player powers you can end up with. There are a ton of different rituals that will pop up um, depending on, you know, how you shuffled. Um, and yeah, I, I think there are, we were able to go through, I think like seven, I think seven rituals, seven or eight, I was something say, like yeah, that. Right about that. Um, just kind of working around the table before the game was over. It took a little while to play just after explaining the rules, but I, I mean, once we got going, it went pretty fast. Right. This is my now go to for social deduction games. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even more than that, I, I don't know if stale is the right word for it, but where you know what's com- where you have an idea of what's coming. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 10, 15 games. I think at that point, I think you're comfortable in the game, but there are still so many options that you oh, yeah. have handed to you, especially if you're playing it in a, playing it with the larger groups, like five or more, like feels like such a good play on this, like the four and under or the, for the four person rules. Like I like them. I can see where they come into play, but I do like having somebody actually playing that high priest. Um, because yeah. they are the target, but you can tell where everybody is going to be positioning on that. 
Yeah, one of the things that happens in some other social deduction games is a meta gets formed around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, that's one of the reasons why I haven't played Secret Hitler, because the online meta is so toxic that if you don't do the correct moves, that people get angry at you. And I don't feel like you run into that with this game because the dice keep things random enough where there isn't an optimal play every single time. Right. And I like that. Yeah. I definitely like that. Um, Overall... Like, I know we might sound a little biased because we met these guys and they're quality people and stuff like <laughs> they came on our show. But, uh, you know, not 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 adding any points for that. Right. I mean, we're just saying if somebody else wants to come on the show, you know, we'll review your game. But no, but seriously, this uh, all in all, this is a very well made game. Right. Um, well made. Uh, components are great. Gameplay is great. Yeah. It, it, there's so much here. And it's easy. I think it's easy to pick up like we talked about, too. Like I was I thought the game was going to be a little bit crunchier when we first started it, reading through the manual and stuff. But as we got into like the second round, by the time we were in there, I think everybody was locked in. Even the person who does not play games was able to tell exactly what to do, you know, and each uh, character does get a card that shows, you know, the four stages of their turn and what to do with it. And everybody like there was a couple of questions like, oh, well, what does this mean and stuff? But it was real minimal. Um, Everybody was able to kind of jump right into it like. Everything about this game is great. It's one of those like easy to pick up, hard to master, I think, because like, oh, yeah. it can always change. There's that random element that's always going to be part of this game. And I think that's what really kind of sets it apart. Yeah. Like I said, this really does um, the this completes the social deduction category in our gaming library for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't need to get any others. I like I said, I've played a couple others, but just the elements of this game, the way they it feels to me like I'm getting a full game. Right. Um, whereas some of the others can kind of be lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, the dice rolling, the the rituals, just that whole nine yards really kind of gives a whole other side to that to help support that social deduction aspect. Um, so, yeah, I, as far as rating goes, um, I will say this in comparison with other games that we've rated, other games I've played, um, this is not this is not like top five, but it's definitely top ten for me. I can see that, yeah. Um, um but given my my game's plate is a little larger than yours for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um this is definitely one that I will will want to bring to the table more. Right. Especially in a larger group setting. Like we have um hopefully have like a party coming up soon with that's gonna have probably close to eight or nine people here. This is one I would like to break out for that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, any kind of larger group settings, I think this is one of my go tos. It feels, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, uh, this is one I would bring out for a game night um, with new people, you know, to sit down and play with, even people that are not great, like in big into board gaming or something. But uh, it's easy, like I said, easy for them to pick up. Um, a lot of fun, just good quality all the way around. Yeah. Um, I could definitely, like, this is definitely on my. This is definitely top of the list for any kind of a social deduction game that I would play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I would put it uh, number wise, and I I'd probably put it at a solid eight point five, maybe even a nine. It's it's really really tough for me to kind of choose between those two, because um, like I said, it it is it is near it, it is definitely in my top ten. I, I would say that yeah. for sure. Um, just everything about it. Like this is a game that I would love to put in front of more people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. And, and that's what, 
I mean, yeah, that's 100%. That's where I'm at. I, I'm i right in there. 8.59 sounds good. If if I could upgrade the tokens to metal tokens, ooh, <laughs> like 9.5 all day. Like, I already got the little, I got, I got the nice velvet bags that come with it to put them in there. Yeah. You know, I mean, definitely just there. And at the price point that, like, the MSRP on it, you can't go wrong with this game. Yeah, and I, it's it's a one hundred percent win if you're looking for a new game and you go pick this one up. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good place to be at. The, anything that I could upgrade about this game has nothing to do with gameplay or anything like that. It's purely cosmetic. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's a great place that I want my games to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go, guys. Cult of the Deep. Like I like we said, this was something that we met the guys that made this. We've been excited to get our hands on it. Um, and once we finally have like no disappointment whatsoever, um, I don't know when it's actually going to be available retail. I know you- uh, there are some websites right now that have it where you can order from them. I don't know if they're actually fulfilling yet, um, but I know like Miniature Market and a couple others I saw um, have it available as of right now. Uh, you can also go to their website, bagamesco.com. Go check it out. Absolutely. Also, you can catch them if you're going to any of the major tabletop conventions. Yep. I know they're going to be at Gen Con, so they're going to have they'll have Cult of the Deep there. They'll also have their new game there as well. Um, again, great guys. If you ever get a chance to meet them, 100% good people to know. Next up on the Dapper Meeple, our crowdfunding roundup. So we pulled three new projects for you. One of them we talked about a little bit in our intro. We are going to take a look at the Gadget Grid from Space Mole Games. We also have a brand new Kickstarter that launched today from Wormwood Gaming, which you all, I'm sure, have heard of at this point. Uh, But it is their new game screen. And we'll finish off with a game that will be releasing in two days at time of recording over on GameFound, Nexus, an arena combat system. So let's get started with Gadget Grid. A game that we got a prototype sent to us. We were able to kind of test it out, um, play around with it a little bit, which is something we usually don't get to do with our Kickstarters. So this is exciting. We have a little more in-depth knowledge. Um, But yeah, overall, this game is a blast. Um, It's really fun to play. It's really light, kind of... um, Probably family weight is what I would describe it as. Yeah, absolutely. In this game, you get to choose a character. All the characters are the same. There's no asymmetrical player powers or anything like that. Um, And then you use dice to roll and figure out where these items and your characters and things end up on the grid to even start the game. Uh, Once the grid is set up, uh, you go through playing the game. You have uh, basically a turn sequence that you go through. The first thing you do is you roll again with the dice to add new items to the grid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those items can be things that you can pick up. They can be traps. They can be holes in the grid. (laughs) All sorts of things that you have to avoid. Then you go in and you have your action phase where you can either take an action or you can add more items to the grid. Um, which is, uh, which one thing I really liked about that, uh, because then you get to kind of the grid fills up pretty fast. Right. Right. Um, and then you get to move, 
uh, where you can move around and any items you come over, you get to pick up automatically. Um, and then lastly, you get to either play an attack card or you can move the zombies that are on the grid and try and make them attack your opponents. Right, right. A uh, lot of options. There's a lot of moving parts on the board. You only have three health and there is no way to like restore that either. So it is a fast paced game. Like They say it can be played in like 15 to 45 minutes. That's straight up. That is 15 to 45 minutes. You can get through yeah. this thing pretty fast. Um, but it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of moving parts. Like I said, there's things flying at you from all sides, like laser guided axes, uh, mecha kraken, um, and an occasional rock. Definitely one that uh, we enjoyed getting our hands on. And this was the first prototype game that anybody had ever sent us to review. Um, so that was like a huge milestone for us in the gaming podcast world. The MSRP on this thing is 40 bucks. The Kickstarter price is 25 bucks plus whatever the shipping is. Yeah. So right now, this is an excellent excellent buy um if you're looking for something kind of a light battle royale game um you can check out our review on it which will be published separately from the episode um just take a look see what you think on it but 25 bucks i mean all day long that's that's an easy buy um you can actually some some of the other reward tiers that i like um if you go up to 40 dollars, which the msrp of the game um you get a copy of the game of course uh, plus you get an additional character token with your face or whoever's face you want to put on that token um that way they can be the true grid champion the rest of the time you own this game <laughs> so have my yeah. face yeah yeah absolutely um and then the other one the next tier the other only other tier they have is a 60 dollar tier um it's called executive distribution tier uh, basically, they give you three copies of the game for 60 bucks, which is fantastic. You don't have to be a game store to back at this tier. It's for anybody who wants to. So you get three copies of the game, uh, which that's that's super. And then you can use them. You can pass them out to friends. You can give them as Christmas gifts. You know, whatever you want to do with them. You can do giveaways on your podcast with them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, maybe more on that in the future. Yeah, this game is a blast. It's really light. It's really fun. Just very straightforward. They're looking at fulfilling March 2023. 25 days to go as of time of recording. Yep. And they are just over halfway. They've got $3,500 pledged out of 6000 for their goal. Yep. Um, so uh, not, a, not a huge goal left to go. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, plenty of time for people to hop in there and get you a copy or three. Um, and yeah, make this, make this game happen. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now that we've gotten through the one project that has a reasonable cost, <laughs> let's move on to the other two. <laughs> All right. So let's talk Wormwood gaming real quick. Um, if for- you've been in the gaming space for any amount of time in the last two or three years, and you have done anything in the TTRPG realm, you have heard the words Wormwood gaming. They have been at every major gaming convention, you know, in the last two years. They have made a huge name for themselves with the quality products that they produce. And, you know, you're going to pay for quality. Like, let's just be honest. Wormwood stuff does not come cheap. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's worth it. Like, if you've got the money to spend on it, you're going to get quality products from them. Right? Yep. So, uh, Wormwood started as like a small i think it's like three people craft shop and now has grown into like this monster conglomerate of these craftsmen that are known for putting out these high-end wood gaming products yeah to put stuff in perspective they have a table that you can buy and the most expensive version of their table costs more than a car 
Oh, like and and I'm not talking about like a '95 Honda Civic. No, a brand new car. It's thirty-one thousand eight hundred dollars is the the price of that table, and that doesn't even include the wood top to kind of cover the gameplay. Right. <laughs> so that's another six grand. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, but anyway, they are known for quality products, though. They make everything from dice trays to all sorts of things. The Kickstarter we're talking about today is their brand new GM screen. Um, so they had made this in the past and now they've kind of reworked it and have brought it back again. So let's start off with the, the nitty gritty of what we know straight up at 65 bucks to pledge. Yes. Um, what that $65 does is get you access to their pledge manager. Now do not think that for $65, you're going to get one of these because you will be wrong. Um, if you look at the Kickstarter page, they actually have a separate link you click and you can completely customize your screen. Everything from the type of wood um, that it's used to whether you want a center cutout on it, you get to choose all your accessories and all those things. The price points range greatly. Yeah. Um, base, you're probably looking at somewhere around 200 bucks for a straight base model little that's yeah that's a that's like a three panel in the cheapest wood without any accessories on yeah yeah that's that's where that's where you are starting at now where you can finish we're talking about like 1500 two grand you can easily get up to for a game master screen yes but But it it will be the best game master screen you ever own like when we talk about like bells and whistles like they put all of the bells and whistles the, basically, the design is you pick if you want a three or four panel screen. All the panels separate, but they are held together with magnets and they clip together. And they're like, interchangeable. And yeah. it's, it is gorgeous. All the accessories are magnetic. There's everything from like full magnetic plates that clip to the inside. Um, they have initiative tracker tokens that snap to the top. There are little wooden dials and things like that to keep track of health for different creatures or all sorts of different things on there. Um, My favorite part, though, is the dice tower that you can get. Right. It is a two-way dice tower that snaps in between two of the panels, so it becomes part of the screen. And it has where you can either roll into the screen or out of the screen, depending on where you drop the dice in the top. Right. So you'd have a secret roll or you have a public roll for people, which I like as a DM. Like when it's like everybody, it's down to the wire and it's like this one roll matters to let them see it. Yeah. You know, uh, and then you're just letting fate decide. Yeah. I love that design. Um, it comes in a variety of uh, actual different woods. Right. Um, and some, some of them are just some of them are like 80 bucks for a panel so if you're looking at like a three panel screen you're talking about 240 bucks yeah um some of them are 150 bucks a panel some of them are i think the i think the top uh the top tier is something like it's like 200 and something a a panel that's before you start adding any of the accessories any of the like the clear plates that they have where you can like put maps up and draw on them behind the plates because they snap into place Mm -hmm. everything is on magnets um it really is like the luxury DM screen, right? Yeah. I mean, the people that made it, uh, you can see there's a lot of thought behind it. You can see they understand what it's like to sit behind the sit behind the screen. Go take a look. It's not cheap um, by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it, like I think it's awesome to see the high end side of where uh, you know where this hobby has gone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about it before. Um, the nerds who grew up like loving things like D&D and games and things now are nerds who have 
pretty good paying jobs. <laughs> um, so there are there are a lot of you know adult money being thrown at gaming products, and this just goes to show. I mean, you look at this. This project was launched today. It has twenty nine days left to go. Already has five thousand four hundred twenty three backers, and is at five hundred seventy thousand four hundred fifty five dollars of a ten thousand dollar goal. That goal is completely garbage. I don't care who you are. That's that's. They knew they were going to blow that out. But the fact in one day they've raised over half a million dollars. I mean, we're not quite not quite crit roll status yet, but I mean, this is exceptional, especially considering this is a product that doesn't quite appeal to everyone. Yeah, um, but is definitely something if you can afford it. Um, this is one of those things that I know I know either of us would love to have at our table. Absolutely. Absolutely. So go take a look. Like we said, we know this isn't for everybody. We know this is we're talking a lot of money, high dollar stuff. Definitely go take a look, though. But yeah, absolutely. If anything, go build your ideal GM screen and then just stare at it for a few minutes. Right. You know? <laughs> it will make you feel better. Yeah. Like, yeah it definitely absolutely. kicked in some endorphins. <laughs> All right. For our last project, we're going to move over to GameFound. So like we said, we know that there are other uh, crowdfunding options out there besides Kickstarter. So we try to expand a little bit. GameFound is one. That is starting to, um, you know, put their foot in the market and um, start to really put some good projects out. So I found one uh, over on there that actually doesn't launch for two days. So it's going to launch Monday. It is uh, Nexus, an arena combat system. So let me get back to the right page because you know, I'm not there. I'll clean it up in post. <clears throat> um, this is a... Uh, it's a system that they've designed, and it's kind of a wargaming type system. And the uh, the tag on the box is motivated by violence, fueled by choice. Basically, you're in this arena, um, and there are all sorts of uh, like there's environmental, there's structures, there's stuff in the arena you have to avoid. There's dangers in the arena. Um, if you don't control your um, character properly you anger the crowd and they can start throwing things at you like there's a lot of different parts to it it looked like a lot of fun I watched a lot of the videos the minis are pretty good size they have one comparison to like a um, a standard uh, miniature yeah like a, you know Warhammer 40k marine um, and they're about twice as big they're huge really cool what they're kind of doing with it they're taking the war gaming um, kind of genre and putting it on a board it really kind of reminds me a lot of um, the Warhammer 40k kill team, but not as expansive as that is. It's still a little bit more in box, but it still looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so looking just at the miniatures, one of the things that struck me was that they're going to come pre-painted. Yes. Um, which is rare to see in most games. Normally you get them maybe primed or something like that, uh, but that's pretty exciting. There are um, a bunch of really good-looking miniatures that are coming in this. Uh, so I believe the um, looking at it, it comes standard with 24 pre-painted miniatures, a magnetic board frame, which is another thing that I think is really cool, mm -hmm. um, as, along with all the other components that, that come together with it. Um, they, they've already done like years of testing. Like This game has been tested and revamped a couple of times. And one of the big things on this one is... It's already in production. Right. So the the guy who has basically created this game, he put up his own money uh, to get a production run started. Um, now that is limited. So what he said is 
this GameFound project is really to try and expand that. Uh, what he has in production currently is enough to fulfill, you know, individual orders, but it's not enough to really bring it to market, uh, which is what he wants to do with it. Right, right. So, um, there's only one tier that so far that we can see. Uh, like I said, this one hasn't gone live. This is just the draft over on GameFound. Um, creators can create a draft and have it up for a couple days for you to look at and maybe make suggestions, stuff like that. So we're just looking at the draft right now. And so far, there's only one tier, and it's $120 for the game. But I think it's going to be worth it. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, the one thing he talks about in there. It said only if two people back the game, you're going to get your copy of the yeah. game. I'll tell you, looking through this and everything that I've seen, it does remind me, again, referring back to another uh, Wargaming, the the 40k kill team, and you pay anywhere from 180 to 220 for a box to get you two teams in your environment. Um, this one has multiple uh, characters that you can play. It looks like it's more single combat kind of thing in the arena, but I, I feel like 120 may be worth it. Um, I guess retail on it's going to be like 150 and for the game found, it's kicked down like 30 bucks. I I love everything about this so far. Yeah, this one looks really good. It looks exciting. I'm interested to see more about it once the project launches here in a couple days. Uh, but so far, everything that we were able to see looks really good. So, um, it's a little money, but I think it's going to be worth it. Especially, uh, I feel like this is leaning more towards uh, more your hardcore gamers. Um, definitely check this one out. Go look at it. Uh, they've, they have had it out at conventions. And so there are some reviews out there that you can actually go look at and read up on it. Yep. Yep. So there we go. Three great projects that you can take a look at. Really check out Gadget Grid. I just, I mean, for the money, I don't think you can beat it right now. Yeah. Um, it's out there and it's looking really good. And with that, the laser guided axe through the portal takes out Myron, the mushroom man's last health gizmo. Zaggy Moonpowder dices his opponent to victory in the Gadget Grid and is the winner of Lifetime of Fame and Fortune on his home planet. Lifetime, Fame, Fortune, and Home Planet, not guaranteed. For the Dapper Meeple, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. Good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at The Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>